Our New Testament lesson is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace that you have been saved. For he has raised us from the dead, along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly places, because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, this is a gift from God. It is not a re- salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The word of the Lord. Thanks. If you are new or you have missed Last week's, introdu- uh, last week's message, uh, I'll give you a quick introduction. We're talking about uh, who do you think you are? Now that title is based off a great TV series, a great TV documentary. If you've never watched this series, it's a show that takes well-known public personalities and researches their family background. Sometimes the show uncovers many family secrets, whether they be war heroes, royalty, and sometimes some unpleasant uh, ancestors, a couple of ancestors or two that were unpleasant in the, in, the, in the history of the family, and the odd skeleton is found in a cupboard here and there too. But my purpose over the next coming weeks is to ask you that very same question. That's the premise of that show is, who do you think you are? And just like The producers of that TV show, I want to show you who you really are. Now, there will be no dubious characters that will come out of your past that determine your future. In fact, you might be very shocked and very challenged when you find out who you really are. And so the central theme of this whole pulpit series is when you know who you are, you will know what to do. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. And one of the big problems for church leaders, church ministers and pastors of churches all over the world is that Christians do not really know who they are in Christ. And because they don't know who they are in Christ, they often don't know what to do. So let's quickly review last week's message. We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 20, and the teaching of Apostle Paul who said, if you are a Christian... You are an ambassador 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not elected by people, but you are called and appointed by God. You never represent yourself, but you always represent him. You are Christ's ambassador. And this world is not your home. And you are from another country. You are to represent the king from the kingdom that sent you. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that makes your role on planet earth very, very important. There is nothing regular about you. You are the highest ranking diplomat sent by God from the kingdom of heaven to, the planet, to planet earth. This is who you are. Now moving to this week. One of the areas in my life that I have battled with is one of insecurity. The issue of not being good enough or the issue of not measuring up. I can remember the first attempt and I am intentionally calling it an attempt. My first attempt at um, public teaching in church. I was in a little Anglican church called St Luke's in Dandenong West, which is a southeastern suburb of Melbourne. The minister was going on vacation and he tapped me on the shoulder and told me that I was to run a deacon's mash, deacon's mash, let's put the teeth in properly, a deacon's mass, and uh, I was all told to preach as well. Well, that Sunday morning came and my knees were knocking. They went to jelly. I was sweating bullets. My face was as blotchy red as a beetroot. Uh, I, I actually threw up in the toilet afterwards and I promised myself I would never do that again. I was so nervous I thought I was going to die. I literally felt like a failure after that experience but the rector was a very wise and loving man and insisted that I persist, persist and he strong-armed me to do several more services and messages after that. At one of those memorial, I call it memorial, memorable, one of those memorable meetings, a lady rode her bicycle right through the front doors of the church building and she rode her bicycle right down the middle aisle and she parked her bicycle right in front of the pulpit. I was gobsmacked. The congregation was gobsmacked. The woman sat there on her bicycle. She looked at me. She turned and looked at the congregation. She looked back at me again. Then she looked back at the congregation. And she finally looked at me and she said, You're wasting your breath, Sonny. She turned her bicycle around and she rode out the front door the same way she came in. This was just another experience that rubbed salt into the wound of failure and drove those swirling insecurities deeper into my soul. Can I tell you, it's, the only, it's only by the grace of God and his mercy that I'm standing here today because I was struggling and I still do. I still struggle with some insecurities. Now, I said all that because I know that I'm not alone in feeling these feelings. It's, it's possible that those, these feelings, those feelings have developed in your experience of some kind or another, that, that you, have, you have, 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 have faced some sort of rejection in your life as well. Or you, don't, you did not achieve what you wanted to achieve and you thought you could have done more 
but you didn't. And insecurity now resides at the same address that you do. It's living there rent-free. Or there are feelings of inadequacy and you feel that there is something wrong. And if you have ever felt like that, I want to encourage you today by telling you that you're absolutely right. I'm not going to sugarcoat it this morning. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Without Jesus Christ, we're all a mess. Without Christ, there's nothing, there, there is something wrong with you and me. With, without Christ, there is something wrong with you and me. In our text in Ephesians chapter 2, which we'll get to in depth in a moment, the Apostle Paul is very direct. He says, there are three things wrong with you without Christ. So let's summarize those quickly. You are sinful, he says. You are spiritually dead, he says. And you are an object of God's wrath or God's anger. So, hey, welcome to Holy Spirit Anglican Church where we're here to make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> Most church leaders won't talk to you like this. They'll tell you that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. But the fact is, without Christ, you're the object of God's wrath. So let's look at God's word and let us let God speak to us as we nuance these three thoughts this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 3 to 5 says, Once you were dead. Now this doesn't mean you were dead on the side of the road, in the gutter, somewhere up in, uh, you know, in South Akron somewhere. It means you were spiritually dead. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, by your very nature, you were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We need to understand this this morning. I don't want to hold anything back this morning. I don't want to tiptoe through the tulips to make you feel good. Without Christ, there is a whole lot wrong with you and me. You are sinful. You are spiritually dead. You are the object of God's wrath or God's anger. The good news is God can change everything in a moment through Jesus Christ. So the first notion is without Christ, there is something wrong with you. The second notion answers the question, who do you think you are? Because when you know who you are, you will know what to do. Who do you think you are? With Christ, you are God's masterpiece. With Christ, you are God's masterpiece. You are the perfect workmanship of God in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, God saved us by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So it doesn't matter how hard you try or how religious you act. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you've done. So none of us 
can boast about it, Paul says. So when you know who you are, you will know what to do. So who are you? Who do you think you are? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So here's the big idea this morning. And we need to understand this. We need to get this into our souls. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. Let me say that again. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for our good works. We are not saved by the good things that we have done, but we are saved to do good things for the one who saved us. We are never saved by works so that for us, so that we can boast about it. That's what that Paul is saying. But we are saved to make a difference and to bring God's glory into this world. So if you are in Christ, it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. You have been made new. You have been remade. You are the masterpiece of God. Not just so you can sit around and smile and look pretty. You are God's masterpiece created for a purpose. I saw a Christian bumper sticker on a car some time ago. Now, I'm not a big fan of Christian bumper stickers. Uh, that's because I drive pretty badly, so I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. <laughs> no judgment if you've got a sticker on your car, okay? I don't care. But this one caught my theological attention. And the bumper sticker said, God doesn't make junk. And so that is so true this morning. God does not make junk. You are God's masterpiece created for the master's purpose. And God wants you to believe this because when you know who you are, you will know what to do. The word masterpiece is translated out of the original Greek text. And it is, uh, uh, it is the same word we get, the English word we get our, our English word poem from or poetry from, poemia. This word can be translated as a beautiful poem in Christ or in other words, you are a poetic statement to the glory of God. That is what your life should be, a poetic statement to the glory of God. This word also means perfect workmanship, the perfect workmanship of God. It also means in Christ you are the perfect workmanship of God and it also can be translated as tapestry. In other words, all the different things in your life come together to create this beautiful picture. If you are in Christ, you are a poetic statement. You are the masterpiece, the perfect workmanship of God. When you believe that, when you know who you are, you will know what to do. So let's look at three thoughts on the subject of masterpiece. And I will pray that the Holy Spirit... I pray that the Holy Spirit drives these into your very souls this morning. The first thought is you are created for the master's purpose. As God's masterpiece, you exist to bring glory to him, 
So let's read through Psalm 139 and see how the words of King David parallel the words and the teachings of the Apostle Paul in our text from Ephesians. Psalm 139, beginning at verse 14, it says, For you created my innermost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So listen to the Apostle Paul saying it and listen to King David saying it. You are the masterpiece of God created for the master's purpose you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good things which God prepared in advance before you were born in other words a masterpiece created for the master's purpose King David said I was fearfully and wonderfully made all the days ordained for me were written in your book before I was born when you know who you are you will know what to do. You are the masterpiece of God, created to serve the master's purpose. And this is what is so powerful this morning. If we extrapolate this thought out, all of history and in all of the span of time, think about that, all of history and in all of the span of time, God decided that this tiny slice This fragment of time, this 70 years, this 91 years, this 82 years, whatever you have on earth, God decided that at this moment in time, at this moment in history, you would serve him best. There is no better time for you to be born and to live your life with your gifts, with your talent, with your skills and with your personality. This is the best time in all of time, in all of history, in all of eternity that you could serve the master and bring him glory. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? The problem for some of us is that there are so many Christians that don't believe or they just don't understand that they're a masterpiece and they don't understand their purpose. So when you don't understand your purpose, or when you don't understand the purpose of an object, the chances are you will abuse the object. So here's the big idea. A life without purpose is time without meaning. Someone should put that on Facebook. A life without purpose is is time without meaning. Life without purpose reduces everything down to an experiment. Maybe this job will give me fulfillment. Maybe this person will bring me fulfillment. Maybe if I accomplish these things here or this thing here, it will supply me with purpose. And what happens is we go from one experiment of one thing to another experiment of another thing, looking for purpose, looking for fulfillment, because we don't know the purpose of our life. So let's drill down a little bit deeper into this thought. If you don't know the purpose of an object, don't ask the object what its purpose is. You ask the one who created the object. You are the masterpiece of God. 
So you need to seek and ask God for your reason for being and why you were put here on planet Earth. The big picture is you exist. Not to accumulate more things, not to accumulate more stuff in this little slice of eternity. You exist to bring glory to God. And when you do it in your specific way as God's masterpiece... You were created for the master's purpose. You will know that you were created for the master's purpose. You are God's masterpiece, made new in Christ Jesus, made new in Christ Jesus to do the good things which the master prepared in advance for you to do. So, thought number one, as God's masterpiece, you are created for the master's purpose. Thought number two, As God's masterpiece, you have everything you need to do and everything that God wants you to do. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, God's divine power, not our power, not our ability, not our understanding, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and goodness. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So let's look at it this way. God never calls a person and says, you're my masterpiece, go and do this and go and do that and then slaps his forehead in forgetfulness and says, oh, that's right, you're not equipped. Sorry, I forgot. For example, when God calls Moses to deliver the Israelites, Moses didn't believe that he was good enough or he was a good enough masterpiece to do it. Let's have a look in Exodus chapter 6, verse 30. He says, But Moses argued with the Lord, saying, I can't do it. I'm such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? Moses was saying, I'm not good enough to do the job. But God didn't say, Oh, yeah, I'm such an idiot. I forgot. I thought that you could do it, but you're obviously not good enough. When God calls you, he will give you everything you need to do everything that he wants you to do. The problem is so many people have masterpiece envy. That's when you look at other people and say out loud or in your heart, I'm not like you. And they don't realize how God has created them or what he has created them for. God has given you everything you need to do and everything that God wants you to do. For example, I understand now that because of Christ, I am a masterpiece of God. And right now I'm doing what was formed for me long ago, long before I was born, before my days even came into being. But let's be honest, there might be lots of things I can do, but there's lots of things that I cannot do. There's lots of things that I can do, but there's lots of things that I cannot do. And I figured out a long time ago that I need to stop looking at what I cannot do and see what I can do to really see what the Master has created me for and for his purpose. And the same applies to you. We don't need to be looking around at what we don't have, what we are not. And I wish I was as beautiful as her. 
I wish I was as talented as him. I wish I had more hair on my head than I do and then less hair on my back. <laughs> now, you need to look at what God has created you to be and realize that you are the masterpiece of God, that you have been made new. Old things have gone and I am a new creation in Christ. And new creations have new purposes. I am the workmanship of God and I have everything I need to do everything God wants me to do. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. So let's review. As God's masterpiece, first thought, you are created for the master's purpose. Second thought, you have everything you need to do and everything that God wants you to do. And the third thought as we close, as God's masterpiece, God uses everything in your life to bring about his purposes. He is the potter and we are the clay. Isaiah 64, 8 says, And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. God is continuing to shape you. God is continuing to form you into his masterpiece to serve his purpose. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things... Now let me ask you this question. Does all things include good things? Okay, four of you said yep. Do all things include good things? Does all things include bad things? Does all things include the things that you are so grateful for that happened? Does, does all things include the things that you wish had never happened? Yes. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. Is this for everybody? Yes. No. No, it's not. God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are the masterpiece created for the master's purpose. When you realize that he is the potter and you are the clay and he is forming you using all things to bring about good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that will give you a tremendous confidence to step into his will because when you know who you are, you will know what to do. There is an example Oh, there is examples after examples all through Scripture. But in the Old Testament, there's a great example of a young boy called Joseph who believed he was God's masterpiece, that he would one day be a leader and his brothers were very, very jealous. So they threw him in a pit to kill him, but instead they sold him into slavery. Do you think Joseph said, this is what I wanted, slavery? No, no, he didn't. But the potter was shaping the clay into his masterpiece. So Joseph was so faithful and talented to his owner that he got promoted within the household. And one day, he, the owner's wife tried to seduce him. But because Joseph was, had, he had integrity, he resisted. And then she falsely accuses him of sexual assault. And Joseph was thrown into prison. Do you think he said, this is what I want, prison? No. But again, the potter is shaping the clay. And through unusual 
through an unusual series of events after he interprets dreams, he's promoted to second in charge over all of Egypt. And God used him to prepare for a big famine. And years later, his brothers came to Egypt as refugees to escape the famine. So long story short, his brothers thought that he was dead. They recognized him and they were afraid that he would kill them. And Joseph cried out and looked at them with compassion and said, what you meant for evil, God used for good. In other words, he said, God took all that and shaped me. And I couldn't do what I'm doing today if God had not taken me through that and prepared me. So God used it for good. Maybe you're going through a time or a season in your life at the moment and you're saying to yourself, I wish this wasn't happening. Probably it's painful. Possibly it's without understanding. You're wishing and hoping things were different. But, I'm, but here is what I want you to take home with you today. If you're saved, if you're born again, if you're in Christ, if you love him, if you're living for his purpose, that Jesus is working all things to bring about good. That's how good our God is this morning. That's how good he is. I've been asked this question on a few occasions and I've never really answered this question properly or honestly. And that is the way I was, the life I lived before I knew Jesus because I wasn't a good person. Before Christ, there was a lot wrong with me. I committed most of the major sins, except I hadn't killed anybody. And so the question I've been asked is, do you ever regret the se- that season of your life? Now, I need to be careful and qualify my answer this morning because I wouldn't want anyone to go through what I went through. And I wouldn't want, I would, I wouldn't want to go through that pain again. So here's my answer. I don't regret it, not for one single second. Because God used it to make me the masterpiece I am today. God even used the bad stuff that I did. Because today, as God's masterpiece, I'm doing what I am created to do. When I preach against sin, it's because I lived in sin. And it's because I know how destructive sin is. I wasn't a preacher's kid. I didn't grow up in church. Not to, not to diminish anyone here who's a preacher's kid. God bless you, okay? I know what it's like to hurt because of sin. And I will preach against sin with a passion. And when I tell you that Christ can change someone, that he can turn your life around, I didn't just read that in a book somewhere. It's because I was brought from darkness into light in a moment. I know what it's like to go from being selfish and lustful and sinful and arrogant and prideful to being transformed into a servant of God. I don't regret the darkness because it makes the light so much brighter. As we close, I pray with everything in me that you would know who you are, that you would know who you are. Whether you think you're good enough or you think you're not good enough. Because with Christ, you are the masterpiece of God. And for those 
that are here and you're saying, well, I don't think, I don't, I don't like myself. I don't like what I've become. The good news is if you don't like yourself, let God remake you. He's the potter and you're the clay. And if you don't like yourself, let God remake you. Jeremiah 18, 3 to 4 says, So I went down to the potter's house and, I, and saw him working at the potter's wheel. He was using his hands to make a pot of clay, but something went wrong with it. So he used that clay to make another pot the way he wanted it to be. Let's stand together. If you're able to stand, stand together with me. We're going to pray. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work in your people, that we would never be the same, no matter how we feel or what we think our lives are, that because of Christ, we are made new. Let us all understand that we are the masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus to do good things which God prepared in advance for us to do God by your Holy Spirit let each one of us here own that truth and live that truth in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said Amen Amen.